is hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We're heard on 20 different stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. We continue with our weekly look at the race of the White House 2016 and the race specifically for the GOP nomination. Before we get to uh, Donald Trump and SNL and a couple of other items uh, related to that, I just want to finish up on on Ben Carson just a little bit more, Leah. I actually have a theory on what's really going on here, which is why I'm so troubled by his Brian Williams problem. There is one element of this that makes it different than Brian Williams. See, I think Brian Williams' problem was based almost entirely in ego, Uh, that he thinks so highly of himself that something that could have happened over time actually did happen. (laughs) And because because there's no one close enough to him with the balls to say, yo, Brian, what the hell are you doing? Eventually, he's telling lies, and he probably doesn't even realize it because his ego has clouded his perception. There's some of that going on, I believe, with Ben Carson. For instance, the West Point story, I think, fits into that. But there's something more interesting and maybe or maybe not, depending on your perspective, more troubling. You know, the I thought a lot about this. The magic belt buckle story and the I'm the most honest guy at Yale, the only one of 150 in my class who was left to take that retest. They feel very biblical to me, those stories. They, what do you mean? In, the, in other words, they feel almost like parables, not even intended to be taken literally the breaking of the knife into the magic belt buckle. That sounds like something out of the Bible where, you know, where suddenly someone's life is, is turned around by this, by the, by the hand of God saving them from a, from a lifetime in prison because the magic belt buckle broke the blade of the knife. That sounds biblical. And, 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 and as does being the only one, only one was left out of 150 Yaleys to take this retest, and he was he was deemed to be the most honest kid in all of Yale. That sounds well, that's, that's biblical. sort of a that's sort of a weird retelling, though, uh, no, of that story from what I've heard of the honest thing. Well, I'm I'm, um, I'm just telling you that those stories. And this is purely theory on my part. Right. Those stories are consistent with somebody who has got such a huge ego that they're creating almost like a a birth narrative, like a Jesus birth narrative about their life, and that the hand, and he's very religious. We know this. I mean, yeah. he's got he's got he's got paintings of himself with Jesus in his home. <laughs> Did you see that? I did see that, but I don't think that's a problem. All right, no, but but you have to you have to take this in its totality, Leah. Yes, but you uh, are it, talking about like one of the greatest uh, surgeons in the world. Eh. Well, to quote Donald Trump, he was an okay doctor. Oh, <laughs> Donald, you're quoting Donald Trump now. Oh my goodness! Look, but, I if General Westmoreland was still around. Yeah. And he could corroborate this. I don't doubt the Westmoreland story. Yeah. What I believe happened was Westmoreland had dinner with this guy or, you know, whatever at, a, at a, an event and said, hey, I think you ought to uh, apply to West Point. I, you know, I'm pretty sure I can help get you in. 
And in Ben Carson's egotistical mind, that was an offer of a full-ride scholarship. Because, well, wouldn't you take it that way? Uh, I would. Um, you might take it that way as an 18-year-old, but as a presidential candidate trying to be commander-in-chief, you do not claim that you were fully vetted and admitted to the most premier military academy in the world. Well, that you was do, in the 1990s. No, no. 1990, I think, is when he wrote the book. No, no, no. So he, he re- wasn't a he, presidential no, 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 candidate. No, 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 no. He's repeated, well, I, he repeated the story weeks ago, both on Facebook and on television. We'd so, say six and one half dozen and the other doesn't <laughs> oh, matter. Man. That's what we would say. Uh, I mean, in the big scheme of Leah, things, Leah, I think it's all for nothing. Okay. I don't think he ever uh, had a real chance right. at winning the oh, but, nomination. Okay, okay, let's – all right, well, let, let, one last thing. If he was a liberal – and the exact same set of facts came down, you and most conservatives would be screaming that this was an insult to West Point graduates. I really that, wouldn't. No, you because wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't. We would uh, never hear about it. Well, that's probably true, too. That's fair. All right, now, as far as what, what this means, so Carson's not going to win the nomination, all right? He's not going to be president. We know that for damn sure. Because Hillary Clinton would grind him up and spit him out. All right? And, and the media, over a full year, he, there'd be nothing left of Ben Carson. He'd be a puddle. So he's never going to be president. He's not going to be uh, the nominee. I still think he has a chance of being one of the final four, which I've been predicting for quite a while, that the final four would be Trump, Carson, Rubio, and Cruz. Now, the fact that the, the conservative media and, and many of his supporters have clearly rallied around him is interesting and good news potentially for Donald Trump because if Carson had let's say he really had admitted he fabricated the West Point story the political story is true and you know it's a it's a firestorm and the 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 dam breaks and Carson has to leave the race entirely right that would actually be bad for Trump because Carson's 20 to 30 percent would go almost entirely somewhere else yes but that's not what's going to happen. This is not going to be the balloon popping. This is going to be the the balloon slowly losing its air. And I think it's going to have enough air still by Iowa to where Carson is still blocking the path of potential uh, pursuers of Donald Trump. So I, I think it's possible that this whole thing went down very well for Donald Trump because I think this gives him a chance to win Iowa, which he wasn't going to do last week. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk about Donald Trump and his SNL appearance and a whole bunch more on the John and Leah show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She broadcasts from Birmingham, Alabama, where people care about their guns, Jesus, and college football, especially this time of year. I'm broadcasting from just outside of Los Angeles, where people barely even care about themselves. And a lot of people apparently cared about Donald Trump hosting Saturday Night Live last night. A huge, as he would say, huge ratings. Huge. Huge ratings, which was not a big surprise. Uh, however, what did surprise some people was that uh, Trump really wasn't a big part of the show. I don't know if you heard about this, Leah, but uh, someone clocked how much time he was on camera. <laughs> 
and it was actually half of what the normal host of Saturday Night Live is on camera for. Well, he's busy. Well, apparently, um, and there's some logic to this, NBC might have been concerned what happens if the other candidates try to hit us for equal time. And so they wanted to try to limit their vulnerability as much as possible. There were some more sinister conspiracy theories out there that SNL had set Donald Trump up and that the rest of the cast had basically taken a dive to make it not very funny and to make him not look very good. I didn't see all of it. I watched the first couple of uh, sketches, which is really all that mattered. I mean, Well, I've DVR'd it. I haven't seen the rest. I mean, and so... The, the 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 part that's getting the most play, and what I think would have by far the most impl- the, the strongest implications politically, especially if he got the nomination, which I now think is within the realm of possibility. I can't believe I'm even saying that. But the part that is most significant is at the very beginning during his monologue. Now, if you follow the story at all, you know that some pro illegal immigrant groups have been offering a bounty. For any member of the audience to call Donald Trump a racist on the air, they were offering $5,000 for anyone who live on Saturday Night Live would call Donald Trump a racist. And what they decided to do, which, you know, I, I understand it makes some sense to turn into the curve and make fun of it. They decided to set Donald Trump up. I'm Obviously, he was well aware of it. Um, and here's what happened during his monologue uh, when a member of the audience who turned out to be a celebrity ended up calling Donald Trump a racist. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. You're a racist! Who the hell is... uh, I knew this was going to happen. Who is that? Trump's a racist! (laughs) It's Larry David. What are you doing, Larry? I heard if I yelled that, they'd give me $5,000. As a businessman, I can fully respect that. All right. Now, funny. Yeah. And Larry and, David, the look on his face was hilarious. That is true. I mean, Larry David uh, from Seinfeld <laughs> fame uh, was very good. Uh, you know, basically saying, look, I'm sorry, I couldn't I couldn't resist five thousand dollars. <laughs> look, I'm Jewish. You know, that's basically what he was saying. Yeah. Um, and and so it was funny and I get it to a certain degree. However, um, you know, I'm inherently a pessimist and I'm always looking for the pitfalls, the, the traps. And I, I if Donald Trump really wants to be president. This was a huge, or huge in his words. Huge. A huge mistake. Um, And I'm still not convinced he actually wants to be president. And part of it's because he obviously signed off on this, and he can't be this dumb. He's not a dumb guy. But what he allowed to have happen for a very temporary laugh was he, he allowed it to now be perfectly acceptable and okay for celebrities on television to call him a racist. Now, I know that might sound, you know, like a stretch, might sound odd, but look, the media wants permission to be able to do this. Yeah. And he just gave it to him because on on in front of millions of people, a popular celebrity said Donald Trump's a racist twice. And he did it's not like he made it clear that he was joking. I mean, look, 
this election, like all elections on the national level, is going to be decided by morons. All right? Let's be clear. Those are the people who are going to determine who wins. And those people, if they saw it, they're probably not even aware that it was a joke. Correct. And and a lot of people saw just simply the headline. The headline was everywhere. Larry David calls Donald Trump a racist on SNL. That has an impact, folks. It is allowing... I can see Russia from my house. Thank you. Exactly. It, it, is, it is now granting permission for the news media to forward a narrative about Trump that they already desperately want to forward. And he allowed it. Now, I, I just... I am starting to believe, and I've said that... I've said from day one of the Trump candidacy, please tell me what he would be doing differently if his goal was not to have Hillary Clinton be elected. That's right. I'm not suggesting that's what his goal is. I'm not suggesting it's not. I'm not a conspiracy guy, although it's awfully weird that Bill Clinton called him just before he decided to announce to run. (laughs) All right. But but please, no, no one has been able to answer that question. What would he be doing differently? I can't come up with an answer. Can you, Leah? No, because uh, he's doing nothing but tearing down his fellow GOPers. Yeah, well, if if I mean if if he was a Hillary Mole, he would attack Scott Walker. He yep. would attack Jeb Bush, and he yep. would attack Marco Rubio. Now, yep. who who's he been going after most? He he yep. eliminated Scott Walker. He's virtually eliminated Jeb Bush. He's going after Marco Rubio, and he's essentially self-sabotaged his own general election campaign by allowing celebrities on national television to call him a racist. What am I missing? What what am I missing here? Anything, please? It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Um, it, well, it's a, it, I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I'm not worried. I, I, gotta t- I still don't think he's going to be the nominee, but I'll tell you what, everything is breaking as well for him as it possibly could, including what's going on with Carson. Because I thought that Iowa were going to be the the rocks upon which the Trump ship was going to crash. All right, that's what that's that's what I've been counting on this whole time. That. He doesn't understand Iowa. He doesn't understand the caucuses. He's not ready. He's not prepared. And when that first contest comes after all this hype and he turns out second or third, then the aura of invincibility is gone. He's going to give a lousy unacceptance speech that's going to piss people off and he's going to be done. I now think he's got a hell of a shot at winning Iowa because Carson ain't going to win Iowa. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Carson's people are going to. Abandoned ship over this. None of this stuff is that important to them. No, no. I, I, he, he's not going to leave the race, but winning Iowa is a different matter. Um, I, look, we still don't know. There's a long way to go before Iowa. But we'll talk more about uh, Trump and some other things that uh, you won't want to miss on the John and Leah Show. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And the topic about which uh, I am most passionate and most knowledgeable, and Leah may be as well, is the, uh, the issue of the news media and how dramatically it has changed almost all for the worse in the last generation. And since we've been talking about this campaign and a couple of interesting things happened with this regard, I want to take this segment to discuss them. Uh, Lee, as you know, I've been very frustrated by the conservative media, uh, about which I know more than almost anybody because I've been screwed over by almost all these people. Uh, I've been very frustrated by the conservative media and how they have allowed and facilitated over 50% of the GOP electorate to currently support two men who are neither qualified nor can win the presidency. And in the case of Donald Trump, isn't even a conservative. So other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? And make no mistake, while the conservative media can't force something like that to happen, they have allowed it to happen. They have facilitated it because without the conservative news media, Backing and giving credibility to Donald Trump and Ben Carson, they never could have gotten the traction to be where they are. Yeah, but Ben Carson beats Hillary. No, she. Oh, please. In the last stop, poll, he did. Stop it. Stop it. Last stop poll, he it. did. That's irrelevant. That's your. That's completely irrelevant. The American people don't have a clue. Conservatives until this week didn't have a clue about who Ben Carson is. They're, he has no chance of surviving a. A uh, year-long grind uh, against Hillary Clinton and the mainstream news media. No chance. And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's important to point out Donald Trump, in the most recent polls, is the only major Republican who loses to Hillary Clinton. And by the Actually, way— Actually, he's never beaten her in one poll, head-to-head, ever. Not in, in, in by my definition of beaten, you're correct. To me, to me, my definition for a Republican to quote unquote beat Hillary Clinton, they must have more of the national popular vote, and they must be at at least 49, 50 percent. And Trump never comes close to that. And matter of fact, he got clobbered this week by Bernie Sanders. Did you see that? Yes. Ber- yes. Bernie Sanders clobbers Trump. Trump has. No chance, none, of beating Hillary. Yet, yet they're yet the Republican electorate thinks he's the most electable. That's and that's the conservative media's fault. And this week, Rush Limbaugh, for whom I have enormous respect. I mean, Rush is the greatest broadcaster there's ever been. What Rush has done without his hearing is, in my opinion the most amazing accomplishment in the history of broadcasting. People have no idea how absurd it is that Rush Limbaugh has been able to succeed without being able to hear as a normal person does. It's right. un- it's unbelievable. Uh, let me also stipulate that Rush Limbaugh is tangentially responsible for this show being on the air uh, because, well, it's a long story, but, w- but without Rush giving a thumbs up in the process, I don't believe we would be on the air. So I have great loyalty to Rush. I've had a weird relationship with Rush. I've never spoken to him or met to, met him, but I've exchanged numerous emails with him. I've even tried to give him golf lessons via email, which he, <laughs> which he appreciated. Um, so he's an interesting, brilliant, extremely insecure guy. And I think that insecurities 
came out in this op-ed that he wrote this week because he was responding to an interview that Mitt Romney gave to, of all people, David Axelrod. Why? Which is bizarre. Uh, where, where Romney basically says, gee, I wish we still lived, I'm paraphrasing, Romney says, I wish we still lived in the media era of the 1980s and early 90s where, you know, we weren't so fragmented and conservatives all got their, their and, and liberals all got their news from the same place. And Rush was offended by that mm-hmm. uh, because Rush feels like, well, wait a minute. I built the conservative media empire. Fox News Channel exists because of me. Again, I'm paraphrasing. These are not exact words. Um, talk radio, conservative talk radio exists because of me. And the gist of the op-ed from Rush Limbaugh was that because of me, the mainstream news media has been forced to shift to the left because the the right side of the political spectrum has been taken up by Fox News Channel and talk radio and conservative websites on the Internet. And I agree with that. However, my thought is, how is that remotely helpful? How is that helping us win anything? Because what has indeed happened, Leah, and I, I think you'll agree with this, is that we have seen as, as, ta- as Fox News Channel has gotten more popular and there's been more fragmentation, there's less, there's almost no guilt now on the, ha- on the on behalf of the mainstream news media. And I'm referring to ABC, NBC, CBS, and right. NPR and all that. There's no guilt at all for them to be remotely fair. Because they think their job is to provide balance for Fox News Channel and talk radio. So now they've let their hair down. They used to pretend to be somewhat fair. They weren't. Nah. No, they weren't, but they pretended to be. Now they don't even care. <laughs> now, the, you know, MSNBC has given them permission to be as far left, basically, as they want to. And let me take this out of the theoretical into the practical. Before the conservative media existed, people like George Will, John Stossel, Britt Hume, Geraldo Rivera, even though he's not a classic conservative he's got a at all well he's somewhat conservative people like that who are now on fox news channel who are preaching to the choir they had huge access to massive mainstream audiences including swing voters they don't have that access anymore Britt Hume and john stossel and george will have been shut out into the bubble of the conservative news media. They can't get out now. And so the, all we're left with in the rest of the news media is Joe Flippin' Scarborough on MSNBC who's, yeah. who's willing to sell out conservatives on a dime and, 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 and frankly looks at it. That's almost his job description in MSNBC. So the reality is that, that while conservatives think they're getting their message out, they're not. We're not getting our message out. We're we're basically having this big circle jerk in this conservative bubble that has no impact on anything other than maybe an occasional Republican primary in an off-year election. But in a national election, and by the way, um, you know we're going to talk about the, what happened in the off-year election on Tuesday in the next segment because I think there's an incredibly important lesson to be learned for the presidential election. So don't let me forget to talk about that. But it, it frustrates me greatly, Leah, that that the conservative media, 
Their goal is not victory. Their goal is profit. Profit and and popularity. Profit and popularity, not victory. In fact, they have an incentive to lose because losing, like with Obama, is great for their ratings. And let's take a look at Rush Limbaugh's track record since he became a major national figure. Republican presidential candidates are two and four, and they're within 500 votes in Florida being one and five. That's not a real good record when all six of those elections were eminently winnable. And so you you cannot argue to me that somehow because of Fox News Channel and conservative talk radio, the conservative cause is in a better position politically than they were before talk radio and Fox News Channel. It doesn't that argument doesn't exist. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I do, but. I just don't think it makes any difference. I think we're just so fragmented with Facebook and everything else that the conservative media is just talking to a certain segment. That's and what I agree. the left is talking to a certain segment. Yep. And it's never going to ever change. And, I, I, and my I, Facebook friends all agree with me. Of course they and do. And my Twitter people all agree with me. And see, what you just put your finger on is, is the thing that drives me the most crazy. Because this is the one program that's on nationally that I'm aware of where the host actually doesn't care if you agree with me. <laughs> In fact, if... Well, I, no, but I, I mean, I'm going to follow people who have the same I, like mind. I understand that. And that's how you get ratings. See, ratings are based on making feel people feel better about what they believe. They want to find someone who make who, who agrees with them so that they can feel better about their beliefs. There's, there's a lot of people right now who want to believe Ben Carson is not Brian Williams. And so the conservative media is more than willing to serve that up, even though it's bullcrap, and even though he has no chance of ever beating Hillary Clinton, they'll serve it up because that won't offend their audience, and that'll be good for their popularity and ratings. That's not the truth. And we're, li- we're all now living in this fragmented world where we're all in our own bubbles. Everyone's living in their own. We create our own realities now because of fragmentation. This is something I wrote about in my book, The Death of Free Speech. It's one of the best predictions I ever made, that fragmentation was going to kill the truth. It was going to kill conservatives, and it was going to kill unity in this country. And all those things are happening and have oh, happened. Sure. Have yeah. hap- all right. Now, since that's a real downer. That uh, when we come back, some really good news that uh, I think you'll enjoy. Specifically, what happened this week in Kentucky, where we're heard on uh, WHAS in Louisville on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And I'll acknowledge that if uh, this show has a weakness, and I'm sure it has many, uh, me as the primary host, I tend to be far too pessimistic. Not necessarily because it's not the truth, but because, let's face it, people don't like hearing negativity constantly. But unfortunately, it's a once a week show. We only got three hours minus commercials. So we tend to be on the negative side. It's my view that this country is pretty much doomed. It's just a matter of time before we're the Titanic. How long do we still have left is really the main question. But occasionally, some good things happen. And it's important to point out that this past Tuesday, there was an election throughout much of this country. 
believe and, it or not. And there were, yeah, it's interesting that I wonder if the results have been different, whether or not the news media would have oh. decided that this was a big deal, uh, what occurred. But because Republicans did exceedingly well virtually everywhere, yes, uh, except maybe Pennsylvania, uh, but conservatives did very well almost everywhere. It's a non-story, except here <laughs> maybe on the John and Leah show. So, Leah, tell us about what happened on Tuesday. Yeah, well, Election Day was Tuesday, and among the races, the Kentucky governor's race. Tea Party candidate Matt Bevin and a shocking win. Now, Bevin is only the second Republican governor in Kentucky in the last 40 years. He ran on Christian values and a promise to shut down the Obamacare exchange in his state. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing. And I think this message resonated with the voters of Kentucky. I think it's the very same message that will resonate with folks in 2016. He also ran for Mitch McConnell's Senate seat, but he did lose that election. Now, his running mate is Janine Hampton. She won lieutenant governor. She is the first black person to win statewide office in Kentucky. And she also is a 57-year-old conservative who's never held elective, elected office. Yeah, that's really an amazing story. First uh, black female uh, to, to hold elected office in Kentucky, and she's a Republican. And, uh, of course, what I found interesting was how did she go from Good Morning America to the, the Today Show uh, to uh, the uh, the CBS uh, morning news show all in one th- that Wednesday morning she was on all three and then each <laughs> evening new- oh wait a minute I'm sorry wait a minute that never none of that happened did it she'd no, been uh, a Democrat oh my she goodness. would have been oh. everywhere I, I mean, it's it's unbelievable that she it is that she is not even close to a household name if she was a Democrat. We, I mean, we would never have been able to avoid her this week because she would have been on all those shows that That's I right. just referenced. But it is absolute proof of the obvious and racism. It is racism. You know, <laughs> they they view the news media views. Oh, she's a conservative, so she's not a real black female. Correct. So therefore, it doesn't count. It doesn't right. count as historical because she can't be a real black female because if she was, she wouldn't be a conservative. Um, so that's insidious and obvious and disgusting and frustrating yep. as hell. But let's talk about the good parts. Um, first of all, it's great that she won uh, and it you know, further blows up the myth that conservatives are racist and there's a war on women. But um, but let's talk about the Kentucky governor's race. And as almost always the case, there's a six degrees of John Ziegler uh, connection here. Uh, the person who um, who was defeated on the Democratic side is Jack Conway, the attorney general of Kentucky, who is a very good friend of John Yarmouth's, our good friend, uh, who's the congressman from Louisville, where we're on in WHAS in Louisville. Interestingly, Jack Conway, Leah, he and I have had a, a rather strange relationship Jack used to fill in for John on our, our old TV show together when I was on oh, Louisville. Oh, is that right? right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so think about this. Here's what a loser I am. So, so when we did this this Yarmouth and Ziegler TV show on the NBC affiliate in Louisville, uh, Yarmouth is like a, a five or six term congressman now, and by far the highest ranking Democrat in the state of Kentucky. The guy who filled in for him was favored <laughs> to win the governorship. By like five points before somehow losing by eight. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, 
And meanwhile, you know, I'm a complete loser, and my, my career and life are in disarray. So that shows you a little bit. Hey, wait, wait, wait. You're saying basically, by proxy, I'm a loser. No, no, this is the look. This is not your main gig, Leah. This you're doing this. <laughs> you're doing this as a favor for some extra dollars. So no, you're not a loser at all. It's I'm the loser. Um, and certainly, in comparison to Yarmouth and Conway, I'm a loser. Even though Jack is not governor, although I'm sure he, he thought, just lost. He, I, I, I'm sure he thought he was going to be. Um, but anyway, uh, so here's what I find interesting about uh, the victory there. Number one, how bad the polling was in, yeah. in Kentucky. They missed it by 13 points. Now, you may recall we had Yarmouth on the show just before last year's election where McConnell was allegedly in trouble against uh, the female Democratic candidate, uh, Grimes, and I predicted to Yarmouth on this show there was no chance McConnell was losing and that he would win easily. And Yarmouth told me, and I think he really believed it, that, no, McConnell was going to lose. McConnell crushed Grimes. That's right. Crushed her. And, and remarkably, I mean, it was almost exactly the same margin for error where, where Conway thought he was going to win by five, he lose by eight. Here's what's happening. There's a couple of things. Number one, Kentucky is an incredibly difficult state to poll because there are a lot of people in the state of Kentucky, especially in rural areas in Kentucky, who still call themselves Democrats, even though they haven't voted for a Democrat since the mid-1960s. Ah. And so what happens in the, is the pollster asks for a party ID, and so they're trying to get a a, a pool of potential voters that makes sense based upon voter registration. But it's irrelevant because those people are never voting for a Democrat again. It's just that they think of themselves as Democrats because their dad and their granddad and everybody else in That's the family right. were Democrats. I'm sure you have the same thing in Alabama. Oh, right? sure. Where there are people who still think of themselves as Democrats, but they ain't because the Democratic Party left them a long time ago. Now, so that's that's one element of this that's interesting. Number two, this is maybe more important because I think it relates to the presidential election. Republicans do exceedingly well in low turnout elections. Of course they do. Because in low turnout elections, you inherently have fewer idiots. <laughs> All right. So. That's why every off-year election, I mean, what are the best elections in recent times for Republicans? 2010, 2014, 2015. Those are all off-year elections. The worst elections, 2008, 2012. Those are presidential elections because everybody gets out to vote. Now, let's relate this to the presidential situation. This is what's so frustrating to me, Leah. So we have, on the other side, Hillary Clinton. Nobody is enthused about voting for Hillary Clinton. No. She's going to have a huge turnout problem. Huge. Unless we nominate Donald Trump. <laughs> In which case, we are going to ensure 100% voter turnout by every possible demographic. Only Republicans would be stupid enough to... <laughs> To match up Hillary, who can't get her people out to the polls, with the one person who will ensure there will be no turnout problem, Donald Trump. That, that's the type of stuff that drives me crazy. That's why I wanted Scott Walker. You bore the crap out of the other side 
and we win. Because boring means their people, their lazy welfare takers, stay home. You don't want to provoke them. Because if you're provoking people who don't want to vote, you're inherently provoking liberals and Democrats and takers. Do you see what I'm saying? Is it obvious? I do. Listen, my liberal friends, you know what they're saying? I want Bill back. They're not turning and out for they Hillary think big that right. Hillary right, is going to bring him. Hour number three coming up on the John and Leah show.